0: Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Thanks be to God for his word.
1: Thanks, Elaine. Let's pray. Father, we pray as we come to hear your word this morning and to, to, to spend some time with it, that you would bless it to us. Amen. I think there are many things that we will miss that we didn't get a chance to do over the Christmas period. Um, one of the things, obviously, at the moment is song, isn't it? It's lovely to hear the Christmas songs, but we miss the fact we couldn't sing them. Why will we sing them next year? with Gusto. But I'll tell you, there's one song I won't miss, and I'm going to be very, very honest here. Away in a Manger. I know, I know, it's cute and folk love it, but it just sticks with me every time. And it's that line, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Well, I don't know about Mary and Joseph, but if I had a baby and it wasn't crying, I'd have been shaking it or calling in the midwife and wondering what on earth was wrong, or or who'd taken my child and, and replaced it with an alien. Because that's not what babies do, is it? And I've got two problems, really, with that line, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And here's what they are. The first one is that it does what many nativity pictures do. It sanitizes things. It gives you this view of this sort of ideal child with the the sort of light shining from them that's not really very human. And we add on to that a whole load of other things when we look at those nativity sets. I'm looking at the one that's here to see whether it's that way as well. This lady has just given birth minutes before. And into that room where she's just given birth, come a whole bundle of noisy shepherds, maybe with sheep, trodden through the hay, which wasn't very clean in the first place. And what do you see in Mary's face? Perfect mascara. Wonderful makeup. And Joseph standing by, not threatening at all, just standing there. I, I mean, I, I remember what I was like when my children were born, it wasn't, I wasn't standing like Joseph. I was absolutely frantic. And the problem with that idealized picture is it it, it looks awful nice, but when you've just come through Christmas and you've been yelling at one another and you've been dealing with all the pains and the frustrations of it, particularly this year where we couldn't do all sorts of things and see all sorts of people, that family doesn't look like mine. I know we took a selfie at New Year and we put it on Facebook of our ideal family, but we could tell you what the cracks are behind that. I don't think that's what the incarnation was about was Jesus coming into something that was plastic and ideal but something that was real and that really is my second problem with that line the little Lord Jesus no crying he makes to be technical about it it it, it verges on a very old heresy called docetism now docetism is from the term docetic which is a Greek word which means seems like And it was a tendency that's always been there among Christians uh, as they look at the incarnation of Jesus to say Jesus sort of came and seemed like a human being. He wasn't really a human being. He was just sort of God pretending to be a human being. But actually our creeds and our belief is that God really did become a human being. He was born into a very real family. You know we hear that line of, of, of Jesus was born into the line of David, the family of David and Uh, And we think that's all about kingship, and it it certainly was about kingship, but it was about more than that. If you know your Old Testament at all, you'll know the family of David was a pretty tumultuous lot. They make our families look a little bit like the Waltons. I mean, David's eldest son attacked his sister. One of these other sons that was actually the half-brother of that sister then killed that son and then engaged in a rebellion against his dad And eventually died in the battlefield fighting his dad. Now you think your family was a little bit rough at Christmas. Maybe it was. But Jesus was born into a family which was very tumultuous. It was also the family of Abraham. And if you know anything about the Genesis stories. Jacob and Esau. Joseph and his brothers. You wonder that they must have had a few Christmas parties. that didn't go right. Jesus born into the realities of the messy broken family, and that's even before we come to the Christmas story, as Luke tells us. The scandal of his conception, the poverty of his birth. A father that disappears after he's 12, perhaps dying early. Brothers that don't believe who he is and think he's insane. If you've got people in your family, as we do, that don't necessarily share our faith, Jesus did as well. This is normal. Simeon, As Ian read in last week's lesson, told Mary, a sword will pierce your heart. We don't even need to go to Easter and all the heartbreak that was to be there to realize this is the reality. If your family has been in pain this Christmas and with COVID, perhaps particularly in pain, then Christmas is real because Jesus comes into all of that. And now we look at this little passage which is tagged on to the end of the Christmas story. You know, one of the things we we love to do is is, is to try to get our heads around what it must have been like to to grow up. What, What was Jesus doing for those 33 years or 30 years until his ministry began with his baptism? And the Bible tells us so little. In fact, just about all it tells us is this story when Jesus was 12. And yet it is so rich. We get this picture of quite a devout family You know, we think about that journey to to, to Bethlehem, which is near Jerusalem, which they made at Christmas. But here we're told they did it every year. Mary and Joseph went up for the Passover festival every year. It was about a 140 mile round trip that they did. Whether they had a donkey or not, we're still into that speculation even after Christmas, it doesn't stop. They were doing it every year. And what they were doing as they did that is they were doing something that many Jewish people would try to do. They would put their faith at the center of their life because that journey wasn't just let's go up and see the relatives in Jerusalem, although maybe they did have some relatives nearby, but they they were going up there because the Passover was to be celebrated because that great story of the exodus was to be part of their life of the lifeblood of who they were the god that had set his people free from egypt as they looked and they groaned under the occupation of rome they were telling that story in their family life every year and as they went up they would sing the psalms that we've been looking at during the week services in november the psalms of ascent as they went up to Jerusalem singing together. And not only did Mary and Joseph go up, but we're told that the whole of the community went up with them. It doesn't appear the children went up till they were 12, but they would have gone up with neighbors and friends and other people from Nazareth. The whole of the community making this pilgrimage of faith together, the local community of believers. I was in a discussion this week which was saying, as, as, as the church moves online and locked down in many places, that maybe rather than ministers having to prepare a service every week in every place, we should just have one from central one to one in Edinburgh, and it would do every church in Scotland. And as we discussed that for a little while, because I think a lot of us went, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I'll do it one week in 200. <laughs> but as we discussed it, we thought, what a loss that would be. Because the community of God's people is local. Local. We might not be able to meet physically in the way that we can, but we are still the local community here in this place in D.L. St. Andrews and in many other parish churches through Scotland. We are a family together. And as we put Jesus and the story of God's liberation at the center of what we do, we do it together. It's also a sense here that as they traveled together, they also... We're a family together. We're told as Jesus went missing in that journey, it took them a while to realize he wasn't there. Now, either that means they were awful parents, or it means they trusted the people they were with. He'll be with Miriam. He'll be with Benjamin. We're all here together as we travel on this journey. It's a beautiful picture, actually, of a community, a true community of faith. Not just a holy family, but a holy people that are, Journeying together. And that's, again, what we do as a local church. One of the things I love about church when we have the children around is that we all look after the children. We all help to bring them up. That's why we take that vow when children are baptized. We all stand. We are all the godparents in the Church of Scotland. We look after and we nurture them. And that's why I'm delighted at what our Sunday school has been doing on our behalf in these days. And we want to support that and encourage all of the children. We bring them up together. And here's the wonderful thing. Jesus knew all that. He doesn't just want it for us. He had it himself in his upbringing. That's just what this passage tells us. He was very human. He was 12. Who'd be 12? Would you like to be 12 again? So, you know, sometimes we romanticize it. would be great to be a child. Really? 12? Tough, been 12. It's really tough. I'm aware at this this stage as we go through this this pandemic that in many ways it's our children that really are struggling. They really are struggling. And let's remember that as we go through this. So what we have here is is a very human story of Jesus' family life. And then we have this family Story that actually also shows the heartbreak that we can relate to. If you're a parent, you'll have lost a child at some point. Now, maybe that was a tragic loss, but for many of us, it's just a short loss. I took our children up. Hannah would have been about seven, six, five, something like that. I can't remember now, but I can remember the incident, not the year. I took them to call again Glen Park, and I lost Hannah for 20 minutes as she hid under a climbing frame. I'll tell you, my heart was in my mouth more than it has ever been at any point as all the madeline mccann stories go through your head as a parent we've all been there and so this story tells you again of the heartbreak of of life but there's much more than that here because 12 isn't random It's not just that Luke picks a year and says, let's take 12 rather than 10 or 9 or 7 or whatever it was. It was a very important year. Because for a Jewish boy, 12 was the year before adulthood. When you were 13, you had your bar mitzvah. And your bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah literally means to become a son of the covenant. It's the age where you take legal responsibility for your own actions. You are then bound by the Jewish law. You have to keep it for yourself. Up until then, it's your parents' responsibility. It's actually said that the Jewish fathers rejoiced at the Bar Mitzvah because they were no longer their responsibility. The child was responsible for their own sins once they were thirteen. You weren't responsible. That's a real liberation if you've got parents, uh, parents, if you've got teenage children. It would be a year of instruction being twelve. Joseph would have instructed his son in the last parts of the carpenter's trade because after that he would be a carpenter. And he would instruct him religiously as well. He would instruct him what it was to be a Jew because after he went through his bar mitzvah, he would be a Jew for himself. That's who he would be. And so that very important idea is you raise children of raising them in knowing who they are. And who they are as Christians. We charge parents as we baptize their children. Tell them of their baptism. And that doesn't mean bring out the pictures and say it was a nice day. That means tell them as they go through life. As they begin to work out who they are. You are a baptized person. That's who you are. Jesus is in your life. It's interesting that the New Testament. Spends more time. Telling Christians who they are. Than it it spends telling Christians what they should do. You read it time and time again in Paul's letters. This is who you are. You are baptized people. You are born again. You are children of God. You are full of the Spirit. That's who you are. Because as we remember who we are, then we go on that pilgrimage and we live and we grow together. And that's what Jesus did. This is so important. Who we are is so important. So it's interesting this passage comes after Christmas because it reminds us, the truth that we know of the incarnation, but then it's not simply knowing that. It's being willing to grow from there, to work out who we are and how we live, and to do that in the context of our family life, of our community life, and yes, of Jerusalem and the temple and the leaders that will instruct Jesus as well. I I think in these days, perhaps we need to relearn what it means to explore faith not just in a, a church building like that with the restrictions we have, but actually at the dinner table as we see we a prayer of thanksgiving or, 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 or as, as neighbors and grandparents and everything else in, in our communities together. It's all part of the life that Jesus knew. And so this story at, at, at one level is a very human story. It reminds us that Jesus grew like we grew. You know, it's it's interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, had to learn things and grow things, and yet so often Christians don't want to learn things and grow things. They think they know it all. I won't read a book. I won't open my Bible. I won't go and learn anything else because I know all that I need to know. Jesus didn't feel like that, and he was the Son of God. How much more do we need to learn and to grow and to grapple with faith? So Jesus is very human, but also we have to remember... Divine as well. Completely God and completely man. That's what the creeds grapple with as they try to express who Jesus is. And the very human is important because, as Hebrews will say, we want a Saviour who's able to sympathize in every way just as we are, who knows what it means to be in a broken family, who knows what it means to have the pain of poverty, who knows what it means to struggle with with the grief that is around. These things are important to us, but of course we need a savior is more than that Jesus very human emptying himself says Philippians of all the omniscience all the knowing things that he would grow just like we grew but also this passage reminds us that our saviour isn't just human he's the son of God Mary asks a question after she finds him three days later. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you. And I wonder... That, that expression, your father and I, carries a particular connotation in that year where Joseph would have been instructing his boy towards his bar mitzvah. Why aren't you listening to what your father's saying? He's instructing you. He's telling you who you are and what your responsibilities are. Honor thy father and mother, the bar mitzvah, the law of God that you're about to take up. That's his job. Why aren't you listening to him? Mom, I was listening to him, says Jesus. I had to be about my father's work. And of course, as he speaks about his father's work and his father's house, he is speaking about his father God. But I just want to hold the thought of Joseph there just for a moment before we go off and say, well, of course, he had God as his father, not Joseph. If Joseph had been instructing Jesus that year, what was he teaching him? As a Jewish father instructed a son on who he was and what his responsibilities were, what was Joseph teaching his son? Joseph, who'd had the dream of angels... Joseph who knew he was of the line of David. Joseph who knew the biblical prophecies of the Messiah that was to come. Joseph who knew about the incarnation and knew that the Holy Spirit had come upon Mary. Joseph who knew all the song of the shepherds and all the things that had been said of the star overhead and the journey of the wise man. What had Joseph been teaching his son about who his father was? I hadn't thought about that before. It wasn't that there was a complete contrast between one father and the other father, although that is in this passage. But one father must have been pointing to the other father and here's Joseph, Jesus saying, I
0: was listening.
1: I have to be about my father's work. That's what my stepfather's been teaching me all this time. There are all sorts of shadows in this passage, actually. It's full of the Old Testament. They were going up to the Passover. The Passover. Joseph would have taught Jesus all about that. It marked the liberation of God's people and the death of a lamb. So, at one level, this is a a domestic scene isn't it that we can identify with the broken family the, the, the mother's heart the, the loss of the child but it's more than that but we need more than that and here's the reason sometimes the Christian message gets reduced at Christmas to saying God is with us, God understands, God's been through it all God knows what it feels like in all that pain, and all that difficulty and all that frustration that we feel but that isn't actually enough you know, it's, it's, it's lovely when you're going through something that's difficult, and someone phones and says, I've been there too. But actually, sometimes it can be a little bit annoying after a while, because what good does that do me that you've been there too? You can listen to me, but you can't help me. It's like the old story of, you know, if, if, if you fall in a lake, and somebody jumps in beside you and says, well, now you feel better, because I'm coming alongside you. It doesn't help, does it? You want someone to pull you out. You want a saviour. Not just a, a counsellor that says they're empathetic. You want someone that can actually get you out of this. And that's why it matters that yes, Jesus is human, but he's also God come into that situation. See, here's the thing. They're there for the Passover, the sacrifice of the Lamb. That's one little shadow. A thousand years before, as God had set his people free, it had meant bloodshed here they are in Jerusalem again. In fact, they be on the very hill where Abraham had taken his son up, his firstborn son up a mountain, ready to sacrifice him. And then think about this again. Because they'd be back in that city 21 years later, wouldn't they? And Mary would again feel the pain in that city of having lost her son. And for three days, she would think he had gone. Tell me Luke's not bringing these two things together for us. And then on the third day, she would find her son. He'd been about his father's work. But here's the thing on that third day. It wasn't just that she would have realized that God was with her in her pain. Because on that third day, the pain had been such that it had ended all pain. For Jesus had risen from the dead. And all the pain and all the sin and all the brokenness of the world, at that point, God was saying, I will heal. I will bring this new creation to be. And suddenly, we don't just have a Savior who is God with us, but we have a Savior who is able to deliver us and be The hope of the world. And all that theology. All that truth. From what started off. Just a domestic scene. That. Is the glory. Of the Christmas message. God. Entering into it. And transforming it. In his son.